Now let's dive into today's message. If you got message notes, I want you to uh, grab them, pull them out. If you want to take notes on the phone, you can always go to the Bible app. We upload the notes there as well. Today I'm going to ask you to take notes. Uh, we are going into this series. It's called It's Complicated. And the truth is relationships are complicated. But through the power of God's will, word, we can find some simple solutions and principles that we can apply that will make relationships less complicated. And today we are going to be talking about the topic of the dating dilemma. The dating dilemma. And I know married people, you're like, oh, I'm checking out. No, don't check it out because you probably got kids. You got nephews and nieces. And, and I don't know about you, but I've got so many people asking me about relationship advice. Don't you want to lead them to the right place with the right answers and the right solution? And so then next week, we're going to talk about intimacy and sex. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I know the, the propensity as a parent is, well, I'm not going to bring my kid. I would actually challenge you to do the different, the opposite. Look, if your child has never been exposed, cool. You know, we got a great children's department. They are not talking about intimacy. They're not talking about sex. But I would challenge you, if you have a 10-year, uh, you know, 11, 10, 10 or 11-year-old, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, even as, as low as 5th grade, that you wouldn't bring them into this place because it's a safe place. And what I have learned about the topic of intimacy and sex and marriage and dating, whoever talks about it first is the one that defines it in the mind of the person who heard. So wouldn't you rather that be defined by the value system of God than allow a teacher in a school to find your child's values? And so bring them in here. Look, it's not going to be grotesque. We're just going to talk about it. And we need to talk about what does it mean to have sex and be intimate and what's God's plan for that. Third week, we're going to talk about a godly marriage. What it means to have a godly marriage, how do we cultivate that? And then the fourth week, Pastor Phyllis and I are going to do a Q&A session. And so we'll tell you next week how you can start to submit your questions anonymously. And uh, then we'll go through a Q&A style session on August 7th, which is the day we launch our three services. So we're super excited. That's the plan for this series. And I really believe you're going to enjoy it. Now, relationships are complicated, but what you need to know is that God's had a plan for relationships from the beginning. He's always had a plan. He has a blueprint. It's not a surprise, and there is nothing new. So we get the benefit of going into the Word of God and saying, God, teach us. God, train us. Help us take something that's complicated and make it as simple and clear and uncomplicated as possible. And you, you think of relationships, they, you say, they are complicated. They are. Why? Because we come from different backgrounds. We all come from different different walks of life. In fact, let me just prove it to you. So we're going to do a true-false question session. True-false. Okay, so just to warm us up, if you think something is true, raise your right hand. Everybody raise your right hand. It's true. Okay, if you think something is false, raise your left hand. Okay, here's an easy question. You're at church today at Anchor Bend. True or false? Wow, look, we're all on the same page. Look at that, it's awesome. Okay, now let's see how much of the same page we're on now. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Dating is no big deal. True? False. Dating's no big deal. Keep your hands up. Be bold. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Here's another question. Our statement, dating is all about just having fun. True? Look, got a lot of truths. False. Okay. 
Here's another question. Before going on a date, a guy should ask the girl's parents for permission. True or false? Here's another one. It's okay for a girl to ask a guy out. Ooh, y'all was slow. You're like, hey, which times are changing. Times are changing. You should never hold hands on a first date. Y'all are confused. You're like, I don't know. Depends. It's okay to kiss on a first date. Look, we know all the quickies. They're like, we just, it was love at first sight. And then all those that are trying to say, no, nah, I would never do that, knowing you just did it last week. <laughs> okay, I, I got you. Here's another one. You should only date someone you're willing to marry. Like, I just want to have fun. Here's another one. Going on a date means that you're looking for a potential marriage partner. She goes, I heard a... <laughs> I think I know which one that was. Here's another one. Personality should be the primary reason for dating someone. <laughs> Y'all getting slower and slower. <laughs> it's okay to be friends with benefits. Oh. Oh, you're in church. So they're like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that one. And then here's the last one. Dating is okay. It's not a trick question. <laughs> I don't know. What is my point to this is that every person has a different thought, background, or belief about dating, and just because we come together as a church doesn't make it simple. It's still complicated. So what we have to do now is say, God, I know my opinion, I know my background, but what do you say about dating? And I just want you to know this. There's a couple of things, and I, 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 you got to hear this. I am not under the illusion that you're going to agree with everything I have to say. I'm not under the illusion that you will like everything I have to say. And here's what I want to challenge you with. Don't get offended. Don't get frustrated. Nobody's judging you. You're just, no, 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 no. Everybody's welcomed here. You don't have to believe to belong. So you may agree or disagree, but this is what we, we truly believe this and live this out as church. Your relationship with God is not my relationship with God. But my job is to preach the word and then let you decide how you're going to live. And I'm not going to water down when it comes to the topic of relationship and topic of sex and marriage. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. That's why you came to church, to get the truth of God's word. So just be mature enough to say, I may not like that, but I'm not going anywhere. Wouldn't you rather be in a place where you get your toes stepped on a little bit? And just, okay, I, let, me, let me evaluate that. We live in a culture where we can't even have a conversation. I was watching a debate the other day, and it was a very good debate, but the moment someone disagreed, they immediately threw a card in there that's like, well, we can't even talk about it. And I just want to have a conversation about the topic of dating. Now, when we talk about dating, it's a little bit difficult because dating's not even in the Bible. Like, you can't look the word dating up in the Bible. If you looked it up, it's nowhere in the Bible. And the reason it is is because it's a modern uh, philosophy that really started in the 17 and 1800s. It's, it's not something that was around in the Bible. In the Bible, we hear things like covenant, union, marriage. Like, like those are the, the words. They're, they're, they're joined together. Look, let me show you. Here we have in uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 through 6, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife. 
Now, it doesn't say how, like, how does you leave your father? How do you, like, do you date? Do you have a courtship? It doesn't say any of that. It just tells you that two will become one. Look, and the two will become one flesh, and they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So you can see the topic of dating was not even a topic that was addressed in the Bible. It, it wasn't even around in the culture of biblical times. And so in the 1700s, 1800s, that's really where this whole modern philosophy on dating was birthed out of. And so it hadn't been around as long as you might think it it's been around when you look through the lens of history. Really, even in the 17 and 1800s, it wasn't what we see today. Back in the 17 and 1800s, what you saw was that women who were oppressed, didn't have rights, couldn't own property, they began to have equality with men, they began to be more individualistic, and before this, what you would have is not a dating relationship, you would have arranged marriages. And so families would arrange their kids to come together and have a marriage, and the marriage would be beneficial, it would bring strength, protection. Sometimes there would be changing of money and currency. And so there was an intent on the union of the man and the woman coming together. And it was intended by the family to make it strong and for them to survive. It wasn't about passion and love and attraction. It was survival of the fittest. So 17, 1800s comes along and women start to have more rights and the individual right is more elevated. Now it's like, I don't want you to arrange my marriage. I want to pick someone that I fall in love with. I want to have that, that love feeling. And, and by the way, what's very, very interesting when you study out arranged marriages, which still happen today, they happen in countries like Pakistan, happen in countries like China, India. But one of the fascinating stats about arranged marriages, they end in divorce in less than 4% of the time. So imagine that, arranged marriages, less than 4% of them ever get a divorce, whereas those that have come together as individuals because they fell in love, almost 50% end in divorce. And so this modern phenomenon has created a culture where it's like, you know, I'm just going to date and have, uh, you know, some, some great fun times with this person. But even in the 1700s, it wasn't dating, it was called courting. And what you call that is dating with purpose. In other words, I'm going to go out with you, but there's an intent. Like, I'm looking for my mate. I'm looking for the person that I'm going to marry and spend the rest of my, my life with. But back then, when they went on dates, here's how they actually did it. The family was involved, 17, 1800s. And your parents were usually in the house, and the man would come and call on the girl. But they would have a date in a separate room in that house. How romantic is that? Very involved, and, and then they'd say, yes, we like this guy. No, we don't like this guy. And the influence of the parent was there for them to make the right decision. Because how many know, when you start to get emotions involved, your decision-making, how many know that goes right out the window? It's like we stop making good decisions. Why? Because I'm in love. Can I tell you, love is not enough? I know you, you thought it was, but, but if it was, how, many, how come so many people end up in divorce? Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. And when we think of love, it's not really love. It's infatuation. Oh, they were hot. Oh, man, they, woo, they lit me up. Come on, you, you know what I'm talking about. 
And so, so what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying, listen, we've got to be careful not to define dating by the last two or three hundred years instead of looking through the scope of history and saying, wow, what would have really made sense back in God's time, in Jesus' time, for us to take away the truth of God's Word so that we don't end up like the world? Look, we're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to act like the world. We're not supposed to talk like the world. And so I want to give you some principles that are going to help you if you decide to date. Now, as we go into this, the question that I hear a lot of times is, can I date? Everybody say that. Now, if you're married, the answer is (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) Not a trick question. But you know, there's all types of single people. You got young youth, you have young adults, you have widowed, you have divorced. And so I was reading a stat the other day, 122 million single people in the United States. And so the question really is, can I date? And here's what I would tell you. I'm not going to say yes or no, but I do want to lead us to a passage in Song of Psalms, chapter 8, verse 4. Now, the, King Solomon is the one that wrote this. He was the wisest man in the world, in all of history. And so if we're going to learn something about a relationship, I want to go to the man that God gave the most wisdom in all of history. And look at what he says in verse 4. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Well, what does that mean? That means love is okay to be emotional But what we don't want to do is we don't want to awaken it before it's time for us to take the steps that love requires. And so when we look at how old do you need to be when you date, and and look, I'm a parent of four kids. I'm not telling you I've got it all right. I can tell you that I'm on this spectrum, and my kids keep trying to pull me on this spectrum. And uh, we've got all kinds of opinions in between. But I do know this, that when you awaken love before it's time, and what's time? That's when you're ready to get married. Now we have emotional ties. We have physical ties. We have soul ties with people that you don't get married with. And what are you actually doing? You're actually practicing divorce. Think about how you you say, well, we just talk on the phone. Wasn't that what intimacy is? Like, it's not just about physical intimacy. It's emotional intimacy. I mean, come on. How many of you, like Phyllis and I, we would talk until we fell asleep on the phone? That was back when we had corded phones. You know what I'm talking about? You like wrap it through the door and shut the door and just sit there on the phone and fall asleep in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet, talking to each other. We didn't have cell phones. But what were we doing? We were building an emotional bond between ourselves. And here's what we know. If you have emotional intimacy, that will eventually lead to physical intimacy. And so imagine, and and if you're married, you know this, all the people that you are emotionally and physically intimate with, there is a wound that's in your heart. It's like a piece of you was ripped out. And so we've got to be careful just saying, no, go out, have fun. Yes, you can, but I would just say, can we do it in groups? Like how many? The more the merrier. (laughs) Three of us. No, why don't you add 12? (laughs) And and so what were we doing? We're just saying, look, I don't want to awaken love before it's time. Why? Because I don't want my kids to... So think about this. If you date a lot before you get married, you're actually better at divorce than covenant. You have a habit of divorce. 
That's how come the Bible is really, it's like, don't awaken. Don't, now, am I saying that you could start the journey and realize the person's not the right person? No. That's great. If they're not the right person, end it quickly. And then just say, God, bring the right person. Yeah, and I'm going to go through a whole list. And that's what I want to give you this morning. I'm going to give you four things to do if it's your time to date. So if you plan on dating, I'm going to give you four things that will help you in your process of dating. And, and I just also want to give a caveat on this. Be real careful if you're single to not believe the lie that this marriage is going to fix everything. Some of you, you were praying for a spouse. Now you're praying for that spouse that you're like, God, I'm going to kill him. God, I'm going to kill him. You were fasting for a spouse. You were on your knees praying to God for a spouse. Like, Lord, give him to me. And then he gave him to you. He's like, I think you gave me the wrong one. <laughs> Why? Because if you're not careful, you think that that person's going to fix you. And a marriage never fixes you. Look, a marriage doesn't change you. It only amplifies the way it finds you. So if you were broken before the marriage, you're going to be even more broken now that you've gotten married. If you were rejected and felt rejection before your marriage, you're going to feel more rejection now that you're married. If you were angry before the marriage, listen, you're going to be more angry now that you are married. Think, think about, and men, you can say, well, now I'm married, I'm going to have all the sex I want. Well, <laughs> maybe. Can we just say Maybe. You know, and the, the, the woman's like, my husband's going to listen to me. We talked on the phone till 2 in the morning, every morning. And he's going to listen every night. Well, maybe. And, and that's where it's like, no, I'm going to be the best version of me, marrying the best version of the person that God has brought to me. And then as we do this, we're going to pursue God with our life. And we're going to see our lives matter in the light of eternity. Okay, so if you plan on dating, here's four things I want, to, I want to help you with. First one, you need to set a standard. Set a standard. If I were to ask someone who's single right now, what kind of person are you looking for? And I've done this many times. What I find is like, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's like, well, I'll know when I meet them. <laughs> Come on, so, so we're looking at the looks then. How many know beauty is temporary and always fades? Come on. It's like, so, so, it's, oh, how, how are you going to know? You, oh, I know because he's smooth. He's got some good lines. You, you know, some of you, maybe you've, you found that. You dated someone, they're good looking, they got some good, smooth lines. I, you know what I'm talking about. Like, your dad must have been a boxer because, man, you're a knockout. <laughs> you know, oh, I got more. Oh, no. Are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. <laughs> Look, I got it. He's back there writing notes. <laughs> oh, I got more. Hey, would you just touch my arm so I can tell my friends I've been touched by an angel? <laughs> oh, I got more. Are you a parking ticket? Because, man, you're fine. When we get into a relationship like that, listen, it's a lot of fun. And I want you to know this, man. A man knows what to say when he's on the hunt. And you, as a, as a woman, you can say, man, I'm getting attention. He's nice looking. There can't be, I mean, surely, he, I met him at church. Hey, be careful. 
<laughs> say it. I'm going to say it. Just because you met him at church, what I would want to know is how long has he been in church? I want to know, is he tithing? I want to know, is he serving? I want to know, does he do outreach? I, like, you can't just say, well, I met him at church. Man, there are a lot of guys that are looking on the prow at church and uh, use God to get what they want. And this is what I know. I don't want to know what you say. I want to see what you do. And you have to have a standard. Some of you, you just like, well, I'll know. No, you won't know. You're not going to know. Your standard that you set before you meet the man is what qualifies the man that you look at or the woman. And, and I find it very interesting because we have standards for everything else. You know, if you're going to buy a house, what would you buy? You buy a two-bedroom or three-bedroom house. You got two baths. You got a two-car garage. You know if you want a brick. If, I mean, you see what I'm saying? It's like, I, I, this is the standard of house, and until I can buy this house, I'm not buying a house. What about a car? You know, like I drive a truck, and so I was looking for a black truck that had leather seats, especially leather uh, air-conditioned seats, you know? I want some tinted windows. I wanted nice rims. I wanted a sunroof. That's, well, what is that? That's a standard. I'm not going to buy anything till I find the truck. Otherwise, you just show up at a lot, buy whatever's on the lot. Some of you have been showing up to the lot, buying whatever's on the lot. Sometimes you got to pass this lot up to go to another lot to find the lot or the thing that you're looking for. So what is your standard? Are they a Christian? Ah, it don't matter. They'll get to know Jesus when they meet me. Whoa. That's missionary dating, and it doesn't turn out real well. Oh, I met him in the club, but he's in church today. He's in church till you marry him. Tell me I'm lying. And then once he marries you, he's going to say, no, I'm busy, I'm working, I'm this. No, 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 no. I want to see your life before we get married. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So is he a Christian? Is she a Christian? Do they have godly character? Do they have godly morals? You know, it might not be a bad idea to ask them about past relationships. Maybe even call a past relationship. <laughs> Hey, man, you on an interview process with me, baby. Come on, somebody. You're ready to just give your life over to someone without looking at how they live their life. How did they value? Th think about, I mean, it really, really matters. Who are their friends? Who do they hang out with? Oh, well, you know, just a few, but, but, but the five best and closest friends of who they have, that, they're going to be the sum of that. Well, he comes to church, but all of his friends are in the world. Okay, that's a red flag to me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Good character. Do they love their family? How do they treat their mom? You know, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a guy, however he treats his mom is how he's going to treat you. You know, if it's a girl, however she, she adores or treats her dad disrespectfully, it's going to do the exact same thing to you. Here's another good question. Do they have a J-O-B? Not Job, Job. <laughs> I know we in church. Can we just get practical? Oh, well, he's looking. How long has he been looking? Well, since COVID. Listen, that was two years ago. <laughs> I find this. The reason something now, and I'm not going to knock on anybody who doesn't have a job. Listen, I get it. It's tough. But here's what I would just challenge people with. Don't be too good to get any job. 
I was never too good for a job. Listen, I owned a restaurant, real estate. Things went sideways. I worked three jobs. I worked construction. I ended up speaking, traveling, and then I ended up waiting tables. I was waiting tables as a 28-year-old man having owned my own restaurant. What am I saying? Listen, if you need money, you're going to find a job. If they're a hustler, you're going to do whatever it takes. And so I would just be real careful about someone that say, I've been looking, and they've been looking for a long time. It's prerequisite. Are they good with their money? They manage their priorities. Do they have any goals and dreams? Is there an education? And I'm okay if you don't have education, but can we strive for education? Are they self-motivated? Do they learn? Look, the best indicator of where someone is headed is where they've been not the words they speak. So set a standard. Second thing is define the boundaries. So once you set the standard and someone is a part of your life and, hey, I think this is the right person and I'm moving forward in a relationship that really has some significance and matters, I want to I now define some boundaries. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And this is the Apostle Paul. They're talking about grace because grace and the grace of God is like, well, we can do anything, yes, but grace is not a merit or a license to sin. Grace is the ability to do better than we could have ever done. And he's saying, yeah, you can do all these things, but why would you do it? Like, no, we're not going to do that. It's not good for you, and it's not beneficial. So once you find someone, what do you do? You gotta, now I've got to define the boundaries in the relationship. What is an area where we'll go to, and where do we not go to? Think about driving a car. You know, when the Model T first came out and Ford started cranking out cars, they didn't have uh, boundary lines. They didn't have curbs and roads like they do now. And so you would often see major wrecks where people would die because people would drive anywhere they wanted to go. It was unsafe. It's a lot of the same in a relationship. If you don't have boundaries that you set in that relationship, many times you allow the person who you are dating to now set the pace, and they'll be the ones to determine what you do, how you do it, and where you do it. Because you've not communicated about boundaries. You've not said, hey, let's talk about it. See, we're talking about relationships with significance, relationships that are moving in a place where there's a future. And, and I don't want you to be unsafe because you haven't predetermined some boundaries, but you've got to determine what are we going to do? What's, what's okay and what's not okay? Predetermine. How many know you got to predetermine it? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to say, hey, we probably shouldn't kiss right when they're about to kiss you. Could you imagine your heart is all fluttering and you got these goosebumps and it's all, <gasps> Wait! <laughs> I just, we're going to talk about kissing. You say, well, what's there to talk about? Well, do you use tongue or no tongue? <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. Do we, do we peck? Do we do cheek? Do we? <laughs> She's dying. There's a lot to talk about, but not with the world. With the world, it's assumed. Right, and so, so here it is, it's like, hey, you know, are we, are we going to kiss each other? Are we, uh, do we hold hands? Do we, do we put our hands on each other's legs? I mean, th those are very basic questions, but think about this, if you don't define it, how many have found yourself in a moment doing something that you regret, and you're like, oh, I cannot believe we did that. And you could even be trying to live for God. Look, Phyllis and I, we didn't always live for God, and many of you have heard my story. 
Uh, but we had other relationships before her and I got married. And she was the first girl I dated when we were 15 and 16. And first girl I ever loved and same with her. And then I came back from a mission trip and broke up with her. The Lord spoke to me very clearly. <laughs> Flee, youthful lust. <laughs> really what the Lord was speaking to me is that I got to make sure I'm ready before we can move it. And it was just too early. And we broke up. When we broke up, we were apart for three or four years, and we both saw other people. We made other mistakes. And then it was July 5th of 1999, I was thinking about it, that uh, I went over to her apartment. We had been hanging out again. We were just friends, and we had broken off other relationships. But I had already known that this is the girl I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And unbeknownst to me, she had told her sister the same exact thing. So July 5th, I go over to her apartment. I propose to her. She says yes. So we go from friends to now engaged. And we decide we're going to get married. It's February 26, 2000. So we have seven months. We're both in church. We love God. And uh, she is one of, she, like I'd never messed around with Phyllis. Like I loved her when we dated the first time. We had boundaries. We were living for God. Now we're living for God. And so we said, hey, we're not going to kiss until we get to our wedding day. Oh, you know your boy just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I failed. <laughs> I wish I could give you a positive. I'm trying to tell you. We didn't talk about boundaries, and we did some dumb things. I went over to her apartment. We never messed around, did anything in her apartment. But we went to my grandparents' house, and Granny's probably watching right now, and they had a hot tub. You've heard the story. <laughs> we walk out, and Phyllis is like, yo, your grandparents are cool. They're in the hot tub. Like, yo, this is awesome. We're, so we get over there, and Granny and Grandpa get out of the hot tub. I'm like, hey, you want to get in the hot tub? She said, yeah. I said, let's go. Get in the hot tub. And I must have been flirting with her. I'm sure I was flirting with her. But yo, that woman attacked me. She like, <laughs> and she came over and I was trying to say, no, no, no. And it just didn't work. And lo and behold, we had tried to, I mean, we're probably two months in. That's not really how you remember that. <laughs> well, you can talk in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but truthfully, she did kiss me. And, uh, and from there, we struggled to keep the relationship pure until we got married. And I often think, what would have happened had we had clear boundaries? We had great expectations. We had great desires. We were, intentions were good. We loved God. We were trying to stay pure. And uh, we barely made it till the day we got married. Why? Because we did not have boundaries. So you got to make sure you have boundaries. Third thing is you need to exercise purity. Now, <clears throat> I know that we're talking in a society in a day and age where purity seems archaic, that we're out of touch. Uh, I know it's not popular. I hear people say, well, I need to test drive. No, you ain't got to test drive. You don't test drive intimacy. That's not how God designed it. And the one who created it is the one that gets to define it. And I know it's not popular, but it will save you. It'll save you the scars of breaking up with people that you've been sexually active with and giving your heart to. And in a relationship, you know, here's something that's not popular as well. And, and I just want you to know, sex was intended to be, be between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship in marriage. And I know it's not popular. And I know there are people that struggle with that. You're sitting here. Listen, I'm still your pastor. That statement shouldn't have disqualified me because I'm not preaching my opinion. I'm preaching God's word. 
And so if God designed it this way, then what we have to do then is say, okay, I can't test drive intimacy. And here's the choice that you make when you're dating. You're either going to be sexually pure and honor God, or you're going to have sex and live in sin. I'm not judging you. I don't, I, I'm not here to judge. That's the Holy Spirit. Someone say, well, are you judging me? No, no, man. If God is speaking to you, that's conviction. Here's what I'm called to do. I'm called to love you. I'm called to pastor you. I'm called to be here for your big days, your bad days. We're going to help you regardless. But I'm also here to help you live out the word of God so that your life reflects God and not the world. And look at what he says. It's very clear. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside the body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What you do with your body matters. And again, remember, we're not trying to live like the world lives. We're trying to say, God, what is your standard? It's purity and holiness. And here's what I would tell you. Just shoot for the standard. Some of you are not even aiming towards that. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're not going to make a mistake. We made mistakes, and her and I would be praying, oh, Lord, forgive us. We're trying. God, we're trying. But we didn't have the last thing, which I'm asking every person to have who's dating, is it's, you need to have accountability. We didn't have someone in our life saying, hey, are you guys pure? Hey, when's the last time you kissed? How far did it go? Did you kiss on the lips or the tongue? You know, you're laughing all that, but it matters. It's like, hey, if you know someone's going to ask you some tough questions, you may lie to them, but you're going to think twice about it. You know, and then you know someone who's filled with the power of God. It's like, if I lie, the Holy Spirit's going to tell on me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Your mama already knew. Your dad already knew. And so what am I saying? If we have accountability, we just have a greater success, our chance of success. Look at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. What are we saying? Just get accountability. Get people in your life that you allow them to ask you tough questions, that they'll get in your business. And sometimes you get defensive. Well, what are you saying? No, 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 no. It's okay. My wife made a comment to me this morning. It was a little bit of a tough comment. And she said, I'm only telling you because I love you. My first reaction was, stop. But I thought, secondly, thank God she loves me enough to tell me that. Think about the people in your life. Do you have anybody that can tell you tough things in a way that just, hey, what did consider this? And why? Because the target is that we would have relationships that glorify God. Because if we can do it the way God has designed it, that we can live it out in his perfect way and be an example. Listen, I, they ought to look at the church and it ought to be different. They ought to look at our relationships at Anchor Bend and say, my God, they have healthy marriages. They have great families. Man, even the dating relationships. It, it, you want a man from Anchor Bend. You want a woman from Anchor Bend. Oh, yeah, if you get someone from over there, man, I'm telling you, they do it right. They know how to follow God. They love God. They're passionate about God. And then what we see then is that God is in the middle of the relationship. Because how many know relationships are tough enough as it is? God in the middle or not, they're still tough. Let's get them to start off right. Relationships are complicated. But with God's help, we can uncomplicate them and create life-giving relationships.